be before the Lord to worship and adore Him. We're glad to see you. Surprised to see you back tonight. I, I thought you'd. I tried to run you off yesterday, but I see y'all gluttons for punishment. You know, we're looking tonight at Revelation chapter two, verse eight through eleven, at the church again. Now you know, revival is for the church to get the church straightened out. A lot of times folks think, you know, revival was getting the mean people straightened out. No, no, it's, it's to get the church straightened out. And then when the church is what we should be, then we're going to reach the lost. Glad to have one of our members, Brother Earl, with us. He's a preacher and a good preacher. And, uh, you know, we like to have all kinds in our church. And uh, Earl's got dreadlocks, if you hadn't noticed. You know, some of some of us would like to have any kind of hair, wouldn't we? <laughs> you know. You know, church is to be a place, and, and and our goal is to make church as near like heaven as we possibly can. And the church is made up of all kinds of folks. Earls. Earl and his wife, the only one with dreadlocks, and we are very happy to have him because I didn't have anybody with dreadlocks. Started to put an advertisement out. We need someone with dreadlocks. You know, we want every kind of person there is in God's house because that's what heaven's going to be like. We're going to look around and say, wow, God saves all kinds of folks. So that's what the church ought to be involved in now, and that ought to be our goal. You see somebody a little different, go at them. You know, uh, we praise the Lord for we've got special people here. That's very a real blessing because uh, that's the way heaven's going to be. Uh, but you see a nationality that's not in your church, aim for it. Say, hey, we don't have somebody your color. Come on. So you can have every kind of color there is. That's a little bit like heaven. Why is it, if I were to ask you, how many of you here tonight know for sure, without a doubt, that you're married or not. Yeah. Do we have anybody here that hopes so or they're not sure? That's good. But now, if I would ask you, how many of you know for sure that you're saved, we wouldn't have the same response. Some of you would reply, like Jared had said earlier, I hope so. I'm working on it. Maybe. I'll go home and ask my wife. You know, we need to know for sure. Tonight, as we look at this church, it's a little different from the other. Uh, You remember? We got that last thing he says. He that hath an ear, verse 11, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. And so we've heard from Ephesus, and tonight it's a different message. A different church called Smyrna. Now, Smyrna means, uh, it comes from the word myrrh. You remember, uh, you know, and it's... uh, it's just like our Lord. He just wants everything to kind of rhyme and fit together. 
and so he says of all the churches, you know, he could have named Corinth, he could have named Ephesus, he could have named a lot of churches, but for the next church, he says, uh, I want to talk to you about Smyrna, uh, which is from the word myrrh, which you remember what they brought Jesus, what did they bring him? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold represents the divinity of the Lord. Frankincense is what you burn. It was a sweet odor that went up to the Lord. It represents intercession. The Spirit, intercession for us. The myrrh represents suffering. And our Lord came suffering for us. For our Lord Jesus is divine. He intercedes on our behalf. And he's the one that suffered and died for our sins. And so Smyrna is a church just like the name. It has gone through a lot of suffering. Now, as you go through the seven churches, there's a number of things you can get from it. Uh, it is a period of time. And you can start with Ephesus, and it's very much like the early church. Smyrna is a church that went persecution. And so he talks about the persecution. But, you know, some, uh, some folks, okay, well, that's a time period, and that's not in our time. No, he does not say that. He says, I want you to listen to what I'm going to say to the seven churches. So don't say, well, that's not our church. No, there, it is typical of periods of time, and there was a time of great suffering, and this speaks of that time, but it is a church that he's talking to us tonight. So I want us to stand and listen to God's word and read it and see what he has to say to us tonight. Verse 8, chapter Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. And to the earth, angel of the church in Smyrna, right? Angel, you remember? That's another word for messenger or pastor. He says, I'm writing to the pastor of Smyrna. These things saith the first and the last which was dead and alive. Now, when every time he talks to a church, you'll remember that phrase, don't you, from Sunday morning sermon? Chapter 1 is all about Jesus. Every time he talks about a church, the very first thing he says, he describes something about Jesus. Church cannot be church unless we talk about Jesus. Got it? Every church, every time he mentions it, we've got to talk about Jesus. If you have church without Jesus, you have no church. You've got a club. We're not a club. We're here to talk about Jesus, to love him and worship him. And so he just reminds us he's the one that was the first and last, you remember all about that, which was dead and is alive. Jesus, say it. Jesus. All right, that's what we're here about. All right, the next thing, I know, same thing he says every time. I know. He knows what goes on. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. <laughs> that's very Relevant to today, isn't it? Most all of us as churches are having a difficult time. But thou art rich. Isn't that sweet? I know the blasphemy of them that say they're Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison 
that you may be tried. You shall have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death. And I'll give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your compassion for us. And Lord, your tender way you talk to us. Using examples of other churches. And Lord, it kind of helps us feel like we're not the only one on target. But you do know us. And thank you for talking to us. And tonight, Lord, as we look at a whole other church, we want to be obedient to you. And so speak to our heart, individually, personally. We can obey you in all you've asked us to be as your church. We want to be known as the church of Jesus Christ more than anything else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be seated. Here's a church that says, I know your poverty. I know your tribulation. And, and you're going to have to go through this for ten, ten times, uh, which uh, he's really talking about. You'll have tribulation ten days, he says in verse 10 which is the time of troubles between Nero and Constantine. Had ten different rulers and trials that went on and on and on. You know, we're living in quite a tough day today. And some folks say, well, you know, how long is this going to carry on? Can we carry on if we got ten more rulers that come against us as churches? Can we carry on? A pastor friend of mine has been pastoring the same church for 40 years. And we, got to, we get together regular. And, and he shared with me, he said, you know, I have never seen what we've gone through in the last four years. He said, in all my years of ministry, I've never experienced the trials and trouble we've had in the last four years. And you know what? I'll have to admit, same thing. I've been at 45 years, and I've never seen what's happened in the last few years. There was a time we used to brag about being Christian. Now our president tells us we're no longer Christian. He's probably right. But I don't like to see this road we're headed down. You can, you can criticize Christians. But you better not criticize a Muslim. You better not criticize a homosexual. You better not criticize a Hindu. But a Christian, they're open targets, and you know it. We're the only group that they can make jokes about, run down, and not say a thing about it. They kick our Bible out. They kick prayer out. They talk about right-wing fundamentalist you know who they're talking about those church folks 
And, and you know, every once in a while, they'll come out honest and they say, you know, uh, they're causing all kinds of problems. And friend, if we win some of these elections coming up, we're going to be a target. So you willing to stand? More folks are being killed today for the gospel around our world than any time in history. Your pastor, some of you get to go, and I've been where there's persecution, and uh, it's not good. I, I don't like today what I'm experiencing. We have missionaries killed on a regular basis. Nobody's saying a thing. They say we can't publicize it. Just, you know, you just pray for the family. I think this is terrible. In America, we've got people being killed around the world for sharing the gospel. But nobody can say anything because they say we've got to keep it secret. We don't want the world to know what we're doing. What a shame. Our folks graduate from school. They don't even get a degree like some of the rest of us. They don't call it a master's degree. They call it something else. Just as just so they'll never know. And so they can go undercover serving our Lord. I praise God for these. But this is happening on a regular basis. They're targeting and being killed. And this is exactly what was happening in the early church. They went through Nero. Paul was killed under Nero. Uh, one after another. Uh, the persecution. Ten, ten different kings. How long can we continue? Friend, we better be ready to whatever it takes. Our Lord never said the days were going to get better. Polycarp, one of those great old church fathers of the past, they were going to kill him, burn him at the stake, and they did. And they told him, renounce God. And he said, 83 years, God has been faithful to me. I have never renounced him, and I will not now. Though the flame burn me for one hour, he said, you need to know that the flames will burn you forevermore. And he said, I will not renounce it. And went to his death. We got folks that's doing that now. Are we willing? He says to this church, you're going to have tribulation, but I, I see you. you. You know, God loves folks who don't have much, willing to give up everything for the gospel. And he says, I know they call you poverty, you poor people, but God says you're rich. Oh, that's so different. When we get down to the last church, which is a church living today that's so wealthy and has so much, God says, oh, oh you think you've got so much, but you're sick. You're in poverty. But to this church, you know, friends, God sees suffering servants. Every time we've, we've been in trouble several times overseas where our life was threatened. And every time, every time, God has used it for the furtherance of the gospel. It's been amazing. You probably heard Brother Finney share. I know he's been here in uh, we had a friend that went to Nepal, got a burden on his heart to start churches in Nepal and uh, went up there and they threw acid on him and uh, put him in jail and beat him up and uh, he got in jail and he, he just kept doing what he went to do in Nepal. He just started sharing with the gospel and there some of the old thugs in jail got saved 
And then they got out of jail, and they just went to the inner cities and Nepal and started sharing the gospel. Folks got saved, and, and the, our, our dear brother come back home, and I've met him and been with him, and he, he came back to India. And, and uh, then they sent word. They said, look, we got people getting saved in Nepal, and we need you to send some preachers up. And, uh, and we got to go to Nepal and share with that crowd. And uh, those folks just on fire for the Lord. Uh, why? Here's a man willing to stand no matter what it cost him. And uh, it did scar his body up, but he kept at it. Friend, we got to make a stand, no matter what it costs. Stand with the Lord. And he says of this group, the one challenge, he said, you're going to have tribulation. Be, verse 10, last part of it. Be thou faithful unto death. Wow. You know, the main message he's saying through this church at Smyrna is everything's not going to go easy. And for us, it can be sickness and trials and all kinds of problems. But be faithful to death. You know, when you see a couple get married, what do you do to get married? Do you, what, do you, do you, what do you do to get married? Do you remember? You say two words. And you're married, right? That's all it takes. Two words. What is it? Boy, you know, don't you? And you're married. Now, you don't question that. I dare say most of you, I'm sure there's always some insecure person that has their marriage license on the wall. But, uh, you know, we, we, my wife and I, we, we talk about ours and uh, our wedding and uh, the preacher was W.C. Barham, and he's dead. The organist is dead. The music person, just I just learned out he died. Our, most of our folks, our tenants and all, they were my age, but they died. And so, you know, our parents are all dead. So how do I know I'm married? I mean, I can't call up anybody and say, hey, do you remember me getting married? No, they're all dead. 42 years ago, and they're all gone. So how do I know I'm married? I said two words. And that's enough. And I'm going to be faithful. I, you know my promise? And every person that gets married, you know what your promise is? Tell what? Death. Now, I've seen a bunch of liars, and I know you have too, and some of you are here. Sometimes people invite me to the next wedding. I said, no, I heard you lie one time. I'm not going to hear you lie a second time. One time's enough. When, I don't know where people are that make commitments. We're in a day where not many people are making commitments. And he said, that's the way it's going to be in the last day. You make a commitment, it's till death. But well, it's hard. I don't know of any couple that will say it's easy. Yeah, it's hard. But you stick with it. Till death. And our Lord asked the same kind of commitment to us today for Himself. What does it take to get saved? Essentially two words. I do. I do believe that Jesus died, rose again. I do ask Him to come to my heart. 
Friend, if you can get married and stay married for years, why can't you be saved and stay stay for years? How many of you have seen folks get get baptized, get saved, and then you never see them again? Anybody seen folks like that? That's a whole list of them, isn't it? So what happens? Our Lord says to this church, and I, I evidently, that's been going on. He says, um, I want you to be faithful to that. He, he mentions something in verse 9. He said, you've got some Jews there that are not really Jews. They're the synagogue of Satan in your church. Ooh. If Jesus talked about that crap. He said, you're whitewashed. You look good on the outside, but there's nothing on the inside. You're circumcised on the outside, but on the inside, you've got no circumcised heart. You cut no sin off in your life. You're faking it. And he says to this church, I know, I know you've got some folks in your church that claim they're real and they're not real. Billy Graham says the biggest mission field in the world is inside the church. Lost people in the church. I had a lady sit in my office the other day. She said, why on earth would I want to join your church? She said, the meanest people I know in the community belong to your church. I laughed like you did. I said, you are so right. <laughs> you know, I've never been treated by lost people as bad as I have by church members. And most preachers will tell you the same thing. Probably most of you admit it, that the meanest folks in the community aren't on the outside. They're in the church. Well, where would the devil be if he wants to be? I don't believe he's down at the bar. I believe he's a member of the local church. That's where he can work. So why would you join a church when you got such mean people in it? Because we join because of who? Jesus! That's what we're all about! I bet some of you wouldn't even be one of his disciples if he come up and ask you, would you? He said, I've already read the book. One of your disciples is a devil. Why would I want to be a disciple? Yeah. Our Lord put up with the devil. And he, exact, he told where he went. Never was one of them. In fact, he was a treasure. <laughs> that means one of the leaders. Some of them, well, you know, we got leaders in the church that are devils. I'm not surprised. Where would the devil be? He says, I know. Our Lord knows who's in the church. It's not for you to worry about. Don't you reckon God knows? He does. You think he can handle them? I want them in the church. We've got all kinds. We sure do. And... I want them in the church. I want homosexuals in the church. We got some in there. I want more. Why you want them in there? Because I want them to get saved. We got all kinds that are members of all kinds of clubs, and I know, because well, you know, you got to watch them. <laughs> That's why I want them in church. Because I'm going to preach Jesus to them, and I'm hoping one of these times they're going to get saved. Don't you want them here? So don't get upset when somebody just says, you know, I'm praying for them. I'm praying for them. Get saved. 
He says, be faithful to death. How many folks have we seen come through? Join. I don't like the color of the carpet. Sure don't like the clothes the preacher wears. Yeah, they go one thing after another. Doesn't take much. I don't understand why they changed the bulletin. And they leave. Granddaddy was big in the church. Somebody one Sunday said, Mr. Scott, I'm making liquor. Now, I don't, if Granddaddy was making liquor, it's from medicine, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, he got mad. And he said, I'm not about to go back to a church where people talk about me. I understand he had been the Sunday school director of the church. And he said, I'm just not about to go to that church because those folks talk about me. So I'm not going. So he quit. He spent his life not going to church. Got cancer. I'll never forget. He called up. Told my daddy to come home. Said, you're the only guy I trust. I want to know about Jesus. Daddy went and told him about Jesus. And he accepted Jesus and asked Jesus to come in his heart and forgive him for all his sins. I don't know, maybe, probably one of the sins may have been making liquor. I don't know. But, you know, God forgave him. Came in his heart. He changed. We got to see him in the hospital. and He, he didn't like people too well. He did a lot of people wrong. But after he got saved, you know what he started doing? He went from room to room in the hospital. Knew most of the folks there and just apologized. And then he said, you know what? If I had ever really been a Christian, nobody would run me out of church. But I wasn't a Christian. There's a string of folks, friends, that just, oh, I'm mad at this. And they go from this church to the next church. I've already warned my staff about them. You know, uh, we call them church hoppers. I have them come in. Well, I'm not a church hopper. So why are you hopping out of that church? Come over to ours. That's a good church. I give them two years. And they're going to hop on to the next place. I got a question. Well, I don't like some of the folks down at that church. I'm just not going to worship with them. I can't enjoy the Lord. I'm going to go somewhere else. Okay, so when you die and go to heaven. That's a question, isn't it? So which part of heaven are you going to? The one where Green Pines crowd goes or the crowd where Mount Vernon goes? Or Raleigh, which part of heaven are you going to go to? You know, I got a feeling, you know, when we get to heaven, I've seen a string of, I don't like that person, you know, I'm going to leave, okay? They leave. I don't know how to put up with them. I got a feeling when they get to heaven, our Lord's going to put them right beside each other. <laughs> if they get there. When the scripture talks about in the last revelation, 
and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I really believe what's going to happen. There is going to be some crying and weeping in heaven, and it's going to be because we treat the way we treated each other on this earth, and God's going to say, you're going to sit down here and straighten it out right now. You're not going to have another day in heaven until this is straightened out. I'm not going to have that bitter, antagonistic spirit in my place. You get it straightened out with that brother right now because we're going to spend forever and ever together. So why on earth would you leave one church to go to another and think you can get to heaven and everything's all right? One place. What is two places? (laughs) There's heaven and there's hell. That's it. And heaven's a place of love and fellowship, and the Lord Jesus is there. And we're going to be there forever. He said, be faithful to death. I praise God for Jerry Falwell. I don't like Jerry Falwell. Well, Jerry Falwell was faithful to death. I see too many aren't. I praise God for Brother Carver. Faithful to death. I see so many. They come along the road. They're all right for a while. Then you see them slide off into no man land. What I've watched, you know, when you stay at a place 34 years, you see people slide in, slide out. What I like to see is what happens to them later. What I find them do is slide right off the map, and eventually you find they don't go anywhere. They quit. What's wrong? You can't get along anywhere, can you? Friend, there's one family, God's family. 1 John chapter 3, verse 19. You know John, the one that wrote this and uh, wrote 1 John? Said they went out from us because they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would not have left us. But because they went out, it was revealed that they never really were a part of us. That's what he's saying. You know, the church has always been God's family. That's what we are. We're not a little local church. We're part of God's family. And that means we're going to spend eternity together forever and ever and ever. And he says, you know what? They were having the trouble in that time. Just like we do today. And this church evidently was. The Lord to say, be faithful to death. Don't quit. Don't get started on it and just stop. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 says, We know that we've passed from death to life. How? How do you know you're really saved? He said in 1 John 4, 3, 14, We know we've passed from death, dying and going to hell, to life because we love the brethren. Got that? First thing, after you're saved, you know how you can tell the difference? Granddaddy messed around in politics and everything else, and he... He was. If he didn't like you, he didn't like you. But I, we watched the difference in Granddad's life. He just started loving everybody. I saw him go up hug folks that I knew they were so different. 
But God had made a change in his life. Did, he, did that change ever come to your life? Did to mine. I experienced the first thing. You start loving the family of God. Now, friend, if, if you don't love God's family and you don't want to be a part of the church, then I'd say it's a good indication you never really got the Spirit of God. And you ask him, Lord, you see, when Jesus comes in our heart, he makes us a part of his family. We're a part of him. We're a part of his family. I love churches everywhere. Not just ours. Everywhere. Why? Because I'm going to be together as long. I want to meet as many Christians as I can. Because when we get to heaven, I don't want to have to be introduced to you. So you know what? That's my brother, my sister. And Christians ought to be that way. I know some of, some of you said in Sunday school class Sunday morning, well, you know, it's getting near the spring. We go to the mountains, and then we go to the coast. Friend, if you go to the mountains and don't go to the church, what's wrong with you? You ought to have a church in the mountains. You ought to have a church in the coast. And our church, some of our members are three or four churches. I say, great, you better. You got three or four houses, you better have three or four churches. Shame on you. If you got two houses and one church of God, you better be a part of two churches. Wherever your houses are, be a part of it. Why? We love the brethren. We want to be a part of them. Be faithful to death. Church, how long are you going to be faithful to the Lord? Till somebody makes you mad? I guarantee you the devil's a part of this church, so don't worry about it. You don't even have to start figuring out. I wonder who it is. Don't, don't even worry about it. <laughs> He's here. He's probably some of the best-looking folks you've ever seen in your life. That's the way he usually is. And they will do everything they can to keep you out of church. You better not let him run you out. Be faithful. What I found, if he runs you out here, you know what he's going to do? He's going to follow you wherever you go. And you're going to spend your life running from one place to the next. Be faithful to death. Nothing is finer to me than to see a believer who's been faithful to death. They didn't quit. They stayed all the way. What a testimony for the Lord. And he goes on and says, you know what? You be faithful to death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Wow. It's something to stay with it. I know uh, as you get older, more and more parts in your body fall off. And it gets easier to so, say, well, you know, it's just, it's just hard. It's hard. I know of nothing more greater than to see a person that's parts of the bodies have fallen off and are faithful to God. My dear brother that I talked about Sunday, 90 years old, got one leg, and the other one's turning black. And he's got that wheelchair, and he rides that thing to church. Just as faithful. I know he hurts. What a testimony to the Lord. What a testimony. Some of you are going through a lot of hurting things, and things have happened in your life. Be faithful to death. There's nothing sweeter than to see a couple a man and his wife, and the wife got so she couldn't do anything in the world. I hear a couple, ah, they're not pulling their fair share. Who on earth said any couple's supposed to pull, pull their fair share? 
You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to love each other. Period. Who cares what share? You don't worry about it. This dear brother cooked for that wife, did everything. She could not do anything for years. Man, we saw the love just pouring out. I thought, that's what marriage is about. It's not about, well, I do my part and they didn't do theirs. No. You just love somebody and you don't care. Do your part? Do you? No, I don't care. I just love you. That's the way Jesus loves us. And friend, when life gets hard and difficult, be faithful to death. And he says, I'll give you a crown of life. What on earth with this crown? Paul talked about it. If we read in Revelation chapter 4, he says of those saints. In chapter 4, he sees the church in the presence of God. And he says as he sees the church, they've got crowns on their head. Why do they get crowns? For right here. One of them. It just be faithful to death. God said, I'm going to give you a crown of life. You're going to get it. Paul said, to all those who love his appearing, he gives a crown of righteousness to us. And then what at the end of that chapter, chapter 4, you know what this church does? They worship the Lord. And they bow down. And they take their crowns and give it to the God. You see, if you worship God, you love to give to God. You love your mate. You like to give to him. It's just love just demands that. It says, I just got to give. And when you get to heaven, if you've been faithful all the way through, you're going to have something to give to God and say, God, I give it to you. I worship you. Tonight, friend, you're here. And as a church, I'm going to ask you another question to the church. We have a marriage renewal service coming up at our service church soon. We're asking this couple to renew your vows and say, are you going to be faithful to death? And I ask them, you know, they come up for baby dedication. I ask them. So, are you married? Yeah. Are you going to be faithful to death? Why do you ask that? Because I want to see people faithful to death. I want to ask you as a church, will you be faithful to death? Some of you may have already been planning, well, you know, I'm thinking about bailing out of the church. Our Lord says to this church, yeah, you've been good. But I just want to know, are you going to stick with it or are you going to bail out? Our Lord wants somebody that's faithful to death. Dear Christian friend, tonight, if you'll make that commitment before the Lord Jesus, He knows, He knows what's going on. Will you make a commitment? I will be faithful to you and your church till death. Will you make that commitment? If you will, I'm going to ask you stand right in your seat, right where you are, Stand where you are, and I'm going to have a prayer for those of us that are standing. Let me pray.